0: Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. This podcast was recorded live on June 24, 2018. Today, Pastor Bruce Gailhorn explores the ways in which underdogs can succeed. In this, he discusses the lessons that we as individuals, and the Church as a whole, can learn from the disadvantaged.
1: In our first reading, it is about 1000 BC. War with the Philistines more or less has taken place during Saul's entire reign. And one battle is particularly famous. The Israelite and the Philistine armies had taken up their positions on the either side in the valley of Judah. Israel was watching the enemy when a huge warrior over nine feet tall came out of the ranks of the Philistines, challenging Israel to select her best warrior, and they will have a fight. Goliath stood and shouted at the Israelites, What are you doing lined up here? I am a Philistine, and you are slaves of Saul. Choose one of your men to fight me. If he wins, we will be your slave. But if I win and kill him, you will be our slaves. I dare you to pick someone to fight me. Let us listen.
0: A reading from Samuel. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze, He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come to draw a line out for battle? Am I not Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me... Then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now Saul and Jesse's sons and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment, and the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went to be greeted by his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out Up out of the ranks of the Philistines, and spoke to the same words as before, and David heard him. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God, David said. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put it in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained for him, for he was only a youth, ready and handsome in his appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you came with me to sticks?" And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistines' army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down onto the ground. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
1: It is the first century A.D., and Paul is writing a letter to the Christians in Corinth, and he urges them to accept the grace of God. He also mentions in our lesson today it is not his intention to put an obstacle in anyone's road, but he urges them to accept God's grace. You will also hear him outline some of the trials and tribulations he has faced, storms, if you will, in his life too. But in the face of all these things, he has been richly blessed by God. Let us listen.
0: A reading from 2 Corinthians. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left in honour and dishonour, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
1: The Holy Gospel according to the fourth chapter of St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. that even the wind and the sea obey him. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You know, everyone likes a David and Goliath story. You know, a story where the, the underdog overcomes insurmountable odds and, and beats the big uh, team or the big nation or the big bully. Everyone likes what we refer to as a David and Goliath story. And those words, David and Goliath, has become synonymous with a little guy fighting and going up against insurmountable odds. The story continues from last week. Last week, Saul anointed David. Pardon me, Solomon. Uh, pardon me, Samuel. I got the name, getting the names mixed up. Samuel anointed David. Saul was still the king. Samuel anointed David at a family gathering with David and his dad and his brothers. And it's interesting how that all unfolded last week. Samuel comes to Jesse and says that from his family, God is going to anoint the next king. And so Jesse has nine sons. And so, of course, first he brings the eldest. No, this isn't the one. And he keeps bringing his sons across, and they, do, they don't even recognize or acknowledge David because he's the, he's the little guy, you know? Uh, the, the son that's taken ribbing and teasing all his life, and, and you know, he's, he's a young boy, and they don't even think to bring him to Samuel. And Samuel says, do you have any other sons? Well, yeah, one. There's David. He's out watching the sheep. And they bring David, and Samuel says, this is the one. And he's anointed as the next king. So it's God's anointing through Samuel, even though Saul is still the king of Israel. Now what's happened here is Jesse has sent David Because three of his sons are fighting in the army. Three of his sons are at the front lines. And they are ready to fight the Philistines. And so for 40 days, Goliath has been coming out. And, you know, a lot of times in the sporting world, there's what they call trash talk. You try to, you know, demoralize the other team with talking ahead of time. And each team throws barbs back and forth. while Goliath is trying to demoralize the Israelites. And you know what? He's done a good job of it. Because no one is willing to go out and fight him. Because compared to the average soldier in the army of Israel, he is huge! what chance would they have? But David comes because his father Jesse has sent some provisions, some food to take to his brothers at the front lines and to give them the food and find out how they're doing and bring word back home. He's also been given some food to give to their commander too. And when David gets there, the camp is demoralized and everybody is shaking in their boots. And David says... I'll fight him. You know, David's years of guarding sheep, being out under the stars, have led him to that time, that narrow space of time where he could talk to God. Quiet time. Pray to God. Look at the wonders of the stars. And David had developed a strong relationship with God. Now, as the story goes... I don't know why, but Saul says, okay. And then Saul puts his armor on David. Now, Saul's armor was made for a man. And it's big on David. It's cumbersome. He can't even move with this armor on. And he says, get this stuff off of me. You know, he knew that to go out to fight this giant... He needed to be supple to be able to move and wiggle around. And the old way of doing it, the armor, was going to weigh him down. So he says, get this stuff off me. And he goes out to fight Goliath. And when Goliath sees him, Goliath continues the trash talk. (laughs) What is it? You sent out a boy? And he says, you think I'm a dog and you're going to play a game of sticks with me? You're going to throw this stick and I'm going to go fetch it? And then Goliath says to him in more trash-talking style, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the land. And David goes, oh, yeah? You know, he's heard this before. His brothers have given him a hard time all his life. He's used to giving barbs back too. He says, oh, yeah? Well, I'm not just going to do that to you. I'm going to do that to your whole army. I'm going to take your whole army and feed them to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, David had God on his side. But the other thing that David did is he didn't get caught in the trappings of using the old, the armor to engage in a one-on-one hand battle with this giant Goliath because w- that's a no-win situation. But what David did is he used his assets. He looked at his strengths. And the sling that he used was not some kind of a toy that children play with nowadays like a slingshot. It was actually used by soldiers too two long leather straps with a, a piece of leather at the end, so that when they flung that stone, it was going with great speed. So he picks up some stones, and he goes to meet Goliath. Now, people who study this sort of thing have determined that Goliath was probably so big because of a human growth hormone that had run amok in his system and made him so large. Now, back in the few years ago in wrestling, how many of you remember Andre the Giant? Big man. But also, a little bit awkward, right? Kind of, I'm not sure, he looked uncoordinated, although he wasn't, but a little bit big, a little bit awkward. So, one of the things when the growth hormone runs amok and you are that big, you're kind of awkward and clumsy. The other thing that I'm told by people who study this sort of thing is it also affects your eyesight. You don't see very good. So chances are Goliath did not have very good eyesight. And he was a little bit clumsy, a little bit awkward. But David knew that if he got in close enough, and Goliath even says, come in here. So I can fight you. David knows if he meets on those terms, he's done. So he picks up five stones from the river Wadi, goes in close enough with his sling, his strength, his asset, spins it around and hits Goliath right in his weak spot, right between his eyes. And Goliath drops. David took the strengths and the assets that God had given him to fight the giant in his life. And the story continues because Israel is victorious in the war, Israel survives. And God's story continues through this people on to that day and age when the Savior of the world is born to the line of David, the stump of Jesse. A beautiful story that with God we can be victorious even in the most difficult of situations. There is this aspect, too, in this story of letting go of the old. Letting go of the old way of doing things and moving into these new things. We know that things change, right? Normally I leave this in my office because I'm afraid it's going to ring during service. How many of you have a smartphone or a phone, a cell phone? How many of you have a, have a paper phone book at home? A few of you do, and you know it's not easy to get one. How many of you remember the day and age of party lines? And that word, like the young people won't know this, rubbering. You know what rubbering is? Yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd have a party line where several homes would be serviced by the same phone line and you'd all have a different ring and when yours was too long and one short, whatever, you'd pick up and talk. But when the phone rang, it rang in all the houses. So even if it wasn't your ring, you could pick it up and quietly, <laughs> quietly listen in to your neighbor's conversations. It was called rubbering. That's gone. Right? Those days are gone. Yeah, we don't have party lines anymore. And I am told that our landlines are going the way of the VCR. You know, VCR wasn't that long ago it came on the scene, but VCRs are gone, right? Yeah. Pretty well, yeah. DVD players, Bluetooth, you know, PVR. Like, it's, things are changing so rapidly. In 2013, the percentage of households in Canada that had only cell phones, no landlines. Now listen to this. For over 55-year-olds, 6% of the households had no landlines. For under 35, under 35-year-olds, you want to make a guess how many households don't have a landline? 90? yeah. Actually, these are old old data. I couldn't find new data, but 2013, sixty percent, sixty percent of the households of under 35 had no landlines, and the old yeah, the old codgers we still got a landline, right? In 2002, only two percent of all household only had wireless. Things change the old way of doing things doesn't work anymore. And we need to launch out into the new. When I entered the ministry 37 years ago, if you wanted to get a hold of me, you phoned me, or you knocked on my door, or sent me a a letter in the mail. There were no answering machines. There was no email, no internet. Now, you can still phone me. You can still come knock on the door here at the church, invite me out for coffee. I'd like that. Send me a mail, a letter in the mail. But you can also email me. You can text me. You can go on my Twitter account and send a message. Like, things change so rapidly. Things change. In the church... There was a day and age where we gave you the information with our paper bulletin or with our newsletter. Nowadays, you get the paper bulletin, you get the newsletter, and we email it to those that we have email addresses for. Things change. We also, with our 2020 Visioning Committee on our website, yeah, the church has a website. You can go click on it, see what's going on in the church. We've started doing something called Podcasts. The sermon is taped, if you will, and put on the website, along with the lesson introductions and the lessons. So you can go on the website, and you can click, and you can listen to the sermon after Easter on Holy Hilarity Sunday. Get a good laugh. Or listen to the presentation from Candy Bestie. Things change. And as a church, we need to look at what kinds of things we're doing that old armor that really isn't working anymore, let go of them. And we need to look forward to what our strengths are and what our assets are. Just like David, when he looked at what his strength was, his strength was using that sling. And he had fought bears and other predators for his sheep with that sling. He knew what his strength was, he knew what his asset was. And of course, our greatest asset is the love of God. To share that God loves us. And to share God's grace with people who have storms and monsters in their lives. People who are scared or hurting. To share God's message of love and grace with them. And one of the greatest assets that we have, and it goes contrary to all this technology stuff, as a church, one of the greatest assets we have is face. Two Face, the face to face meeting where we can talk and visit and share God's love. There is a story that is told about an old farmer, and it was in a day and age where they had those weather vanes with those windmills in their yards. And when the wind blew, it would change and it would tell you which way the wind blows northwest, east, west, southwest. And this farmer on his land, he, he bought one of these and he put it up. And because he was a person of faith, it said, God is love. That's what he put on his weatherman, I God is love. Well, his neighbor, who was not a person of faith and liked to kind of banter back and forth and give him the gears every so often, came in and said to him, uh, does that mean God's love is as changeable as the wind? And he said, nope. It means... No matter which way the wind blows, God is love. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. If you would like more information on our congregation and how we can be of service to you, please visit our website at www.gracelutheran.ca or check us out on Facebook. Peace be with you.